The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, July 11th, and at this hour, so sales got off to a slow start on the East End for most of the first half of the year, and average prices in the luxury sector falling more than 24% in the first quarter compared to a year earlier. The market has been tougher than usual. We have our Hamptons expert here today, and we will talk all about that. Also at this hour, on the heels of a big victory in the residential sales front, StreetEasy is now gunning for the rental market. The listings portal is going to start charging residential agents $3 per day per listing advertised on its website. This according to The Real Deal and other sources here in Manhattan. The new paid model starts July 18th. This has become very controversial, and we will talk about that. Plus, the panel is here to talk about hot topics. I would like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. I am your host, Vince Rocco. And if you want to call into the program today, the number is one 472 I'd also like to say today is the start of Season 4 for uh, Good Morning New York here. I want to say thank you to my wonderful panel members. Four years at this, I can't even believe that all this time has gone by, but I have not gotten any older. Thank you, everybody around the world who listens and who contributes and who pays attention and mostly who supports. Our numbers are great. They grow every week, and I can't say anything better than thank you so much. I love you all. Anyway, on to the news. Records were set for the average and medium apartment prices in the second quarter as the luxury market rebounded from a sluggish 2016 Closings over $5 million were 41% higher than a year ago as the pent-up demand for those apartments was released after the presidential election. Overall, the market saw 23% more sales than in 2016's second quarter with 2,601 reported closings. The average apartment price of $2,179,000 was 6% higher than a year ago while the median price rose 10% to $1,205,000. The real strength of the market was resale apartments, resale apartments, as their average price rose to $1,686,000, a 9% improvement from the first quarter of 2017. While down from previous quarters, the average new development price remained about $4 million for the fourth straight quarter. I was a little amused by that number. Wow, interesting. And, and the, the resale market is higher. The luxury market stalled last year as buyers were held back by the uncertainty of Brexit and the U.S. presidential election. But after the election in November, buyers returned to the market, leading to a sharp pickup in closings in the second quarter. It appears this bump has now leveled off as recent contracts signed activity has slowed in response to an increase in global turmoil. So we bumped up and all the closings happened in second quarter. Now it seems we flatlined again uh, with concerns I guess, with North Korea and a few other places around the world. And finally, it's official. 
The rent freezes of the past two years are no longer. The Rent Guidelines Board voted to allow increases on the city's one million rent-stabilized apartments with one-year leases subject to 1.25% raises a two-year uh, and two-year leases subject to 2% hikes. The raises would take effect on leases beginning October 1st of this year and apply through the end of next September. The decision follows a preliminary vote in April, at which time uh, they voted in favor of a proposal put forth by its public members. One-year leases could see increases of anywhere from 1% to 3%, while two-year leases could be subject to an increase of 2 to 4%. And we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, with our rental expert and leasebreak.com guru, Bill Horrigan. So our panel today is Matthew Cohen, Core Real Estate, Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead Property, Bill Horrigan, leasebreak.com, Sean McPeak, Compass, Ray Lord, Douglas Elliman, Hamptons, and Niall Lundgren from Compass. Good morning. Good morning. And I haven't seen some of these faces in a couple of weeks, so welcome back from Fourth of July holiday. Did everybody have a good time? Working on our tans. You are. You don't need any more tan, honey. You look fantastic. It's what you get when you surf. You are golden. Is that where that came from? Yeah. Wow. Perfect. All right. Where were you, buddy? Real quick. Uh, I was in London, Barcelona, and Dubai twice. 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 Okay. Can we just talk about that? Sure. Are you working or playing? Uh, I do both. You know. Work hard. Play hard. Everywhere I go, I, I work and play. The lifestyle, right? There you go. But it's interesting. I mean, not that I want to dwell on it, but but Dubai twice. So the first experience must have been unbelievable. So while you're still away in other exotic places around the world, you decide <laughs> I'm going to hop back to Dubai. No, I just it was the Arabic hospitality is second to none, in my opinion. I mean, Wait a minute, did you meet somebody there? No, no, no. that's what yeah, I was thinking. I was checking. like, he came back for someone. I will, I will tell you. <laughs> no, no, what did you lose? No secrets. No secrets. No, no, I didn't meet anybody. It was fine. <laughs> Listen, but 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 everybody I I hear who has I've not been uh, say it's amazing and the same experience. You know, it's like I got to go back and this, sooner rather than later. I'll, I'll tell you one thing: we uh, I went back for a listing pitch. Right now we know. Now it comes out. Okay, definitely. secured. <laughs> well, Mazel hey, Tov, as they be say. Be the first you know, to hear. Nice. Are you, Are you gonna- selling that? In- <laughs> uh, we'll see. You know. It's a good opportunity. I'll tell you guys about it when it's uh, you know finalized. Well, I didn't so, know Compass was opening an office in Dubai. No, that's <laughs> not that's not <laughs> the case. <laughs> Rob Refkin, let's get him on the phone. But he'll be back and forth. All right, let's move on. So when you think of the New York City skyline, it's likely that the city's iconic midtown skyscrapers, the Empire State Building, the Chrysler Building, and others come to mind, along with some of the new guard uh, towers like 432 Park Avenue and 157, of course, on 57th Street. But it is the latter that have, in recent years, ticked off preservation-minded New Yorkers. The new wave of super-tall construction and developers' seemingly endless desire to build even more tall towers throughout the city has led some organizations to take action. In Midtown's Tony Sutton Place, for example, neighborhood residents united under the group's East River 50s Alliance, and they proposed a rezoning of that area that would cap building heights at 260 feet. Now, we see all of these new skyscrapers around Manhattan, uh, and we all look and say, how much taller can they get? There is a new controversy on the Upper West Side uh, where that development has been stalled uh, due to the same residential backlash on heights of buildings. So what, what, you know, my question to all of you who run around this town representing buyers who buy in these buildings, what is the actual rub with residents in these neighborhoods opposing the heights of these buildings? I'll, I'll just start a little bit with, uh, you know, New Yorkers are resistant to change. As at just instinctually, instinctually, and if anybody's been down in the subway 
after 7.45 in the morning. Um, it is the congestion is what people are sort of up, up, you know, their arms up around that. In addition to the congestion with traffic, which is insane. Insane. And what are we doing with the garbage? So these are all practical lifestyle, quality of life issues or considerations. But the reality of it is the zoning for 200 Amsterdam has been, has been, you know, determined since 1987, and they're they're not it. They they can be a headache, but they're not going to change the result. So you think it's going to move forward? I, absolutely. <laughs> now the East River Associate Alliance is a whole different story, and they're talking about changing the FAR from 10 times buildable to from excuse me from 13 times to uh, a ratio of 10 times, which that's also stimulated by individuals' agenda. Right. For example. It, for example, at the Sovereign, that's where it instigated. They don't want their views to be, uh, you know, to be uh, uh, obstructed. That site at 200 Amsterdam is going to be quite the site, and that sellout, I'm understanding, is uh, just shy of $1 billion. So the price tag on those That's our project. Units. That's with SJP and Halstead. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be amazing, nice. which is much better than the liquor store that's on the corner, not for nothing. And, um, hmm. and I, you know, change is difficult, but ultimately it is absolutely in our right to continue to be the global stopping point that we are. I also think it's expectations because, you know, as an Upper West Sider, people, you know, they think about a certain neighborhood. So, you know, you think about Upper West Side, Upper East Side, Sutton Place sometimes, you know, you're looking at more historic pre-war kind of co-op-y buildings and if you, you know, remember when REL West and REL East were being built, That's I remember there was started. a whole thing when. It just, I think that change, even in Lincoln Tower's time, when that was being built in the 60s, was people were outraged with the change there. General, when you, when you talk about just people being outraged, you, it's always going to happen. No matter where it is, there's always going to be out, out backlash from the people Let's who not, are living in yeah. particular areas who are used to a norm. You know, when you look at towers like 157 and what that does to the skyline and how that affects, for example, Central Park, you know, when you have the shadows cast over Central Park, a lot of times people want to preserve the only green space that's like, you know, there visibly in the middle of Manhattan. But but, but I think, I, I hear that and I agree, but I think what Louise said before is, you know, we've got to start getting used to what, you know, reality is in this town these days, what the new New York City is. I'm I'm the first one to complain about the mom and pops disappearing and all these tall skyscrapers. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you know, this this is progress, so to speak, and it's going to continue. And we all want green, and we all want you know our park protected. And that one, I 100% agree with you. But it is what it, it is. It is what it is. But let me say, remind everyone that it's also an election year. So these kinds of issues. Election year for the mayor, for the councilman, and the yeah. councilman, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's those are are the individuals that they're writing and doing petitions. There were two thousand people that on the east side yeah. um, uh, um, alliance that literally had signatures. in New York City. It's there's full time activists in this town. There are people that live that don't do anything and they just figure out how to complain or to show up and protest. I mean, you go to a community board meeting. It's it's pandemonium, and people don't tell the truth sometimes on that side, which is unfortunate. That that's also very true. So um, again, you know, this is reality. It is what it is. I you know, I, I I work in these buildings from time to time as well, so I understand both sides of it. It's always controversial, but um, you know, we have to make do with 
with what it is. For example, I remember back in the days at the aerial east and west that Matt brought up, um, I live on the Upper West Side, and it was a huge controversy, but not until after the fact. And so after the fact, they changed the zoning up in that neighborhood, but uh, they're trying to push it forward you know, now in other na- neighborhoods, but I don't think it's going to work here uh, in the 60s where Amsterdam, where the 200 Amsterdam project is going to go. I think that's going to go forward. And as Louise said, that it is our, our project at Halstead. So, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. I think the biggest goal whenever there's a development is having the, you know, seeing the side of the developer and seeing the side of the community. And I think that what's, you know, if you could have a great situation or a perfect situation, for lack of better terms, where the development team who's actually building the building either lives in the neighborhood or understands where the community is coming from, I I think that's what everyone's trying to get at at the end of the day. All right, we have to leave it there. We will be back after this commercial break live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Expo. All right, everybody, we are back with Matthew Cohen, Louise Phillips Forbes, Phil Horrigan, Sean McPeak, Ray Lord, and Niall Lundgren. All right, here is our big topic for the, for the morning. On the heels of a big victory in the residential sales front, Street Easy is now gunning for the rental market. The listings portal is going to start charging residential, residential agents $3 per day per rental listing advertised on its website. The new paid model starts July 18th. As I said at the top of the show, Street Easy faced backlash this past spring after launching Premier Agent, which lets agents pay to have their contact information appear on listings in specific zip codes. But in a sudden turn, four major firms, Corcoran Group, Douglas Elliman, Nest Seekers International, and Bond New York, said they would participate in this new Premier broker program. This is all still being sorted out, but this will allow firms to purchase 
buyer leads in bulk. This will also confuse the consumer out there. We have discussed this before on this program many times, so I want to get into it now on the rental side in addition to the sales side. And it also affects uh, Trulia and other sites out in the Hamptons. What, what's the current thinking here from from my my local guys right here in the studio? I mean, we're all agents. We're all out there in the field. We've all dealt with Street Easy and Trulia and, and all the other sites. We're now they're asking Phil. us to pay for rental listings when, you know, that can be very costly if you are a rental agent and have multiple listings. $3 per day times however many, that's you're gonna, talking lots of money. That's going to be a great opportunity for all the other platforms that are out there. And I'm curious, Phil, what's your take on that? Um, I can talk about this for a really long time. It's a huge issue. And I think uh, there's a few issues. First of all, lease break is free to post and to search. And it'll always be free to post and search. This provides a huge opportunity, as Louise said, for other platforms. Okay. But But at the core of it is I don't know how they could do this to rental agents. Like I'm a rental, I've been a rental agent. You know, I've been in the city for doing this for 13 years as a licensed real estate agent. Street Easy has a sort of um, responsibility because they have become the de facto MLS in the city. And so to do this to to rental agents is unbelievable to me. So that's well, it's just, a test market for the sale for the it, sale market. It may be. Well, what I think what sales, what, what I think you know what I'm not. I don't think they're going to do that for sales. I think they're making so much money on the premier agent program. That's one of the reasons why they were so confident about rolling out this. They are they, they just probably cannot believe how much money they're well, rolling out. Well, I was going to say this is by the way, this who is, is more ha- of a revenue thing for Street Easy. I mean, it's not it's not providing any more support. We have to understand something here. Th- these are consumer websites, okay? If you are not an agent, you know, we have our own internal MLS systems as we as we don't call them, but our own search engines to to find properties for our clients. But if a consumer out there, a renter or a buyer wants to search on their own, they go to Street Easy. So, you know, I think what Street Easy is not doing is focusing on them. They're they're focusing more on taking our business from us in ways that has, has not been well, what's proper. The thing? I should say that, so if if you think about it, if Street Easy charged in the beginning, if they charge rental agents in the beginning, they never would have become Street Easy, right? The way they became Street Easy right. is because they made an inherent promise to agents and to landlords to say, we will take all your listings for free. That is what they did. So once they got all the listings, and now they got you, they got you good time. I, I, right? I saw the writing on the wall and now in they 2006. Tur- now they turn on. However, this is a huge opportunity, and I think is a major. major error on their part. A major, major error. People are going to be looking at platforms like leasebreak.com and other ones to post their listings for free and to search. And I think that they're going to look back at this decision as one that, sure, they made millions in the short term, but man, did it kill them in the long term. Well, my, yes. my two cents Agreed. is, uh, I think that they're going to sh- slowly put themselves out of business because I think some of these, la- all of the larger firms are not going to be posting on Street Easy, certainly from a rental perspective. The premier agent on the sales side, that's that we need to see where that flushes out. But on the well, rental well, side, I don't think anybody's going to post. I'm not posting and, my and, rental listings and, there. And I will just tell you, so that it's going to disrupt all the automatic feed. Yes, it is. And I will tell you, the positive on it, the positive is going to be that it will force individuals who are lazy to be responsive and responsible for their listings to update them. Because sometimes they like to leave them on longer and then it's sort of, you know, they're not going to post something five times with different verbiage. So I think it's going to challenge the integrity 
about how and what I the representation hope so. is. There's nothing more frustrating than when you look at a listing and it's not updated, whether it's a sale listing or a rental listing. But very frustrating. Yeah, I wonder what the what the impact's gonna be on July eighteenth when that's the opt in date and you have thirty thousand rental listings on the site. And then what happens? I mean, and what and happens? They lose half their. It's wiped out. Ninety percent of their inventory. I think it's. Oh, it's going to be wiped out. I agree with yeah. Niall. I think it's going to go away. Yeah, no, it's going to get wiped out. So what are they going to do when they don't have any rental listings? One that, thing that I would that say too is point. let's not forget how we all. I mean, I started in the business as a rental broker by posting ads on Craigslist. I think a lot yeah. of a lot oh, of people yeah. ended up doing that, and you had to pay for that. And it was like ten bucks an ad, or three, you know, whatever. You buy the bulk deal, and you get them for like five dollars, whatever. So you know, the the point is, is like. I think Street Easy was great for for a certain amount of time. It allowed you know rental agents where you're not making that much money uh, to to get into the business. But again, if there's going to be three bucks to you know post a listing to have it updated, I'm I'm not totally against that. I think it, it hurts some of the straight rental brokers. There's no way I could have afforded this, you know. Seven years. One hundred percent. There's no way. There's no way. It's going to it's hurt the younger. The the we did this broker. to ourselves. The major brokerages created this problem. I mean, this is the reason I went to Compass in the first place. Is because you know we don't have an MLS and it's a huge inefficiency with our system. I mean, kudos to Street Easy for taking advantage of us. But I think it's time. <laughs> I mean, it's just business. At the end of the day, you know, you yeah. know don't get emotional. It's just business. I was, I was gonna say. I, so I was gonna say. I totally agree. And I I support a hundred percent Revney's efforts to create an MLS. Like it's about time. And I think this will finally be the straw that broke the camel. But here's back. my concern with that. I agree with that one hundred percent. And I've said this for the past couple of weeks. However, we know how long it takes to move a mountain in this town. So in 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 ways, how are we going to get the consumer out there to switch from? Street Easy, which is planted in everybody's backyard forever, to an MLS type system. I think apartment.com apartment. is going, .com is is one going of them. to mm-hmm. take advantage because GoStar has in, invested. GoStar has invested so much money in that platform, and it's a great it's a great name. Apartments.com. It's such a a, a Google. It makes sense exactly. Search opportunity. I also just to harp on it a little bit more. As a millennial, I it, I think it's really sad what's going on because it, it, seriously, as as a millennial, I've always really been a fan of the historic, just um, you know, structure of real estate. And I think when Street Easy came about, I thought it was a really um, you know exciting tool that was very techy to bring brokers and consumers together. And I think they're now creating a lot of conflict. And that's sad because you're, you're, you know, it's like, you know, don't. Put the transparency out of it. I mean, it's, there's a lot of misdirection on the website now. And to be honest, well, the interface whole- of the website isn't even that good. I mean, you compare it to like a, you know, an Amazon or an eBay or one of these websites. Street Easy is not even that nice of a website. It isn't. It and, isn't. And, and it's think, not even so easy to use, to tell you the truth. It's not user friendly. Contact people. I'm just going to talk about the premier agent thing, which, you know, of course, Corcoran and Douglas Alamo were trashing it, you know, and then all of a sudden they were like, well, we can pass that expense off to the brokers, so why not? Mm-hmm. And I, the misrepresentation of what happens and that stepping that body in front of our exclusives has been conflict four times for me already because I'm a major lister. I have 25 listings. And so all of a sudden, some broker, Phil Hargan's buyer says, Phil, I'm going to go look at this apartment. And then some girl (laughs) shows up to meet him there that he's never even met, thinks that it's their exclusive. That just happened to me the other day. And, and, And then there's this whole, you know, sorry, you need to write a letter that that person's not representing you. 
and it's it's just not acceptable. It shouldn't be that. There shouldn't it be that should much not, friction. It is too. It is not transparent. And that's what and in my was opinion, created to make, duping, to make it's it much duping easier. duping the buyers. Right. To, to make everything it, much easier. It ruins the process. And the buyer well, then and, has a bad taste well, they in should, their they mouth. Should, they should take a lesson from their parent company who was forced to buy StreetEasy, Zillow. And it's very easy to talk people out of using Zillow in New York City because they see fake listings. They, right. you know, they and need brokers the who are representing the actual site. They can never no find a listing broker on those sites. Totally. It's a joke. Hey, Sean, you bring up a great point. The reason why Zillow bought StreetEasy was because Zillow could not figure out how to make it in New York because of some of the reasons that you just stated. And here they go, they buy StreetEasy, and then they turn it into Zillow. That's a problem. New Yorkers, I'm sorry, but over the long term, it's just not, not going to tolerate Well, it. you know, this is what I'm thinking. So, so I think if the brokerages here band together and stick to their guns, we can potentially, well, I know, but yeah. Yeah. we can yeah. potentially be optimistic about stall that. them a little bit. I know. Especially but when the big, the big guns can just say, well, push it off on the agents. It's coming out of their pocket anyway. You remember a few years back, actually it was way back when I first started in this business, so it's 15 years or whatever. There was a company, I can't remember the name of it, maybe you do, Louise, the 2% commission, and they were running around this town for about oh, six to eight months. Came out of London. Yes, well, exactly. May? And they were trying to get Foxit. everybody's business. Foxton's, thank you. And they were trying to get everybody's business here in the city. It was, a resi- it was, a, it was more of a <laughs> suburban thing. But the catch there was for 2%, you do your own open houses. You do your own showings. You that's do the real direct. Everything. That's real direct. I mean, Doug uh, Perlson uh, did the same the same platform. Well, we all remember and he's what really happened. Successful. We all yeah. remember what happened to that company. Okay, they ran out of town, got shot out of town with less than a year, and very quickly because that model just doesn't work. I have to believe in all the years that I'm in this business that our traditional approach to the marketplace, whether it's our systems, whether it's our agents, whatever, is going to rule. And I think all of this street easy nonsense, eventually, it's going to change. It has to change and, and hopefully well, potentially change for the, for the better. I will, I will say in the, in the almost 30 years that I've been in the business, it used <clears> to be completely imperative what company you worked for. And what I will yes. tell you today, and thanks to Barbara Corcoran, who literally was smart enough to decide that actually she works for all the rock stars and put those brokers in the front, forefront. So now it's really about the entrepreneurial opportunity of an individual like ourselves to build a, a brand and a business that's supported by your company. And so I think that that is a transformation that's been a healthy shift in the market nationally. And on the key factor is that what I find a lot of brokers just forget that their consumer is actually the agent. And I feel like their consumer is the agent. They're pushing it to, to say it's the public, but it's really, it's us. Public doesn't pay them any money. We, we pay for featured ads, new development ads, whatever it may be. You know, we fork over the money. That's how they, they, they may drive some ad revenue, but I mean, most of it's paid for by us in the exactly. first place. A good percentage of it is paid for by us. And that's why I think we have, we should be in the driver's seat and we should be able to, with our corporations behind us, uh, be able to turn this around because I think when I read I'm the the premier program really got me you know earlier this year but when I read just recently about the rental component and three dollars per day per listing I mean I know rental agents who have twenty five rental listings thirty yeah. rental listings at a given time destroy come on do the math you know and if you're a young person in the it's business like, like John rental. said yeah it's like an extra rent rent payment. For a brokerage, if they decide to pay for it, I mean, who knows? Right. I mean, it could be nine thousand dollars a month. I mean, it's an, it's and, insane. And prior to this, I just thought about you know the company that I was running before. I mean, we had 
you know, at any given time, 20, maybe 30 listings. I had a bunch of rental listings, and I don't even know what's going to happen. I mean, that, that fee alone would, would destroy all profits. All right, we have to leave it there and take a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back, and we're going to talk about the Hamptons. Don't go away. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing all the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Louise Phillips, Forbes, Halstead Property, Phil Horgan, LeaseBreak.com, Sean McPeak, Compass, Ray Lord, Douglas Elliman, and Niall Lundgren from Compass. And I wanted to just get some last thoughts on the Street Easy uh, situation before we move on to the Hamptons conversation, whether it's the premier program on the sales side or the now new charge of $3 per day for rental listings. One thing I wanted to say, Vince, you were saying earlier how it's going to be hard to get, and I agree, to get all the brokerage firms together and get consu- how are you going to get consumers to look at this new MLS. But I don't think you have to in the beginning. Right now, a lot of small firms are using StreetEasy as their MLS. If yeah. Redmi gets together and creates this great MLS, which is just close to StreetEasy in terms of just usability, at least the brokers will all start using that. And believe me, they would love an opportunity to use something else. It's called RLS, and we're all paying RLS. for it, by by the yeah. way, with our revenue dues every year. So yes. the real estate listing system does exist. We right. just need to get I, it up I and really, running and popular. Yeah, so they got to market that because I think right now, if there's one time when agents would say, I'll give something else a shot, it's now. And you know, and that's Absolutely. why I, th- I think that's why I'm just convinced. Like, and I'm not kidding you. We've been getting so many brokers that I've never even heard before, brokerage firms coming to our website. 
That's that are signing. What are up. your numbers? Out of curiosity, in terms of your hits. I mean, per we month. have we have like so I. Uh, for competitive reasons, I'm not going to say. I'm going to tell you after the show. All right. But I will say, I will say this though: track traffic doubling or tripling every year, and you know, there's over twenty to what's it? Twenty or thirty thousand people that are registered with the site. So I mean, we have a lot of users that are using the site. Um, <coughs> so I really think that this is going to be sort of a game changer in terms of just how the how things are going to shift around in the industry. So, um, I think yeah. the market's going to speak. The market's going to speak. Uh, you know, StreetEasy, the site, the interface, isn't that great? Um, the information's fragmented. I think it just opens up an uh, opportunity for somebody to come in and create something a lot better. And just like in real estate, right? The market will speak, like what you're saying, where the pricing is at. And I also sure. think that, 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 $3, tech, even that $3 is an arbitrary number, by the way, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to stay at $3. It could go up, and it could also go down. They've right. also been saying for years that the commission structure is too lofty for real estate, the 6%, and that that's going to be challenged over time. It, what do you mean by they? Saying the, the, public. the public. Just the public the in general. The industry has tried to shift that. Um, Our costs haven't gone down, really. They're actually they going have up. They've gone up. They're going up. Never know. All right, let's move on to the Hamptons. Underneath the laid-back, beachy vibe the East End has cultivated on its sandy shores all these years, beyond the pristine and glittering waters it presents as its public face, there exists a rare species of real estate broker that lives and dies to make a sale, just like anywhere else in this state or in this country, a broker who thrives on beating out the competition, one who will do anything to get that exclusive listing. Isn't that what we do in New York City? Okay. We have our own Ray Lord from the East Hampton uh, office of Douglas Elliman with us today to update us on the Hamptons marketplace and what the summer has been like out east and how competitive are the agents. So sales, as I said earlier in the, in the program, got off to a slow start on the East End for most of the first half of this year and uh, average prices in the luxury sector falling more than 24% in the first quarter compared to a year ago, I guess 2016. The market has been tougher than usual. Ray, are you seeing uh, activity picking up uh, now First, uh, since the, the first half of the year is, is gone and dead and buried and 24% down, as they say? Yeah, it's interesting. In the last two weeks alone, we've seen, you know, I, I told a lot of people that June was the new, June is the new April. There was so much rain. People did not want to come out. It was miserable. Now that it's starting to become really warm, hot in the city, people want out. So we've seen in the last two weeks, in I've seen on a $5 million house, five inquiries in two days. And it was dead for a while. On anything less than a million dollars, you cannot. There are six houses under 700000 with a pool. And everything's in contract. It's insane right now. I was going to say, you can't really find too many houses out east for under a million dollars. And then you add a pool to it. That's kind of unbelievable. Right now, anything under a million dollars, especially with a pool, half of it, more than half of it is in contract. I'm working with a buyer right now. And it's not like it's an unhealthy budget for like a starter second home. Exactly. But it is unreal how many things have clicked into contract in a week, two weeks, ten days, two days. Like I'll I'll have to reconfirm things from the morning to the afternoon to make sure stuff for the next morning is still available. You attribute that to weather? No, in terms of people coming out, like people don't want to come out in the the rain, you know, in June it was just total rain. So who, who, who's the buyer for that under $1 million house? Uh, is it a vacation uh, buyer? Is it is a, a local uh, uh, from the Hamptons, you know, moving from one place to another? Who is the actual buyer profile for houses under a million today? I mean, we can, we can figure out Hamptons, who's buying the $5 million plus. But. Yeah, uh, for the Hamptons, it can be all of them, honestly. It can be people moving 
from one house to another as their their family grows or you know kids leave the, the nest or it can be someone who just says you know I'm, I don't want to be in the city right now um, there's a lot of people that are realizing as they as the city has become more and more popular in the past five years people are just not wanting to be here in the summer I mean it's it's like Dante's Inferno especially in the subway so people want to get out of here specifically so you, in August so you feeling optimistic that the market is shifting from you know, a, a slower first half of the year based on potential weather, based on a few other things, you feel optimistic that from uh, this point on, we're going to be seeing better activity or, or higher numbers from now to the end of the year? I definitely see you're going to, there's going to be a lot more activity. I don't see a lot more activity in the high end. So anything like 6 million up, it's still dead. I, so all I receive is price reduction emails of, you know, something was 40 million and now it's like 30 um, something was 15. Now the, they'll move it to 9.9. I mean, it is crazy the high end how, how slow it is, but otherwise we're going to see a lot of activity in the market. I also think, oh, sorry. I was just, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to ask a question. I, I also think that um, people like Ray and I, not to use people here, but are, you know, those buyers who are buying up to a million second homes. Like I find that a lot of my younger millennial successful clients in the city um, who maybe don't even own here are buying second homes and they just want to get out of here. So I think that's a big market. Yeah. Well, I I have a question for you because I own two places. I have a place in Bridgehampton and um, that was a spec house that I customized. And, you know, my model when I had two nickels and a quarter um, was to purchase the house and rent it for a month for $45,000, $50,000 every July, which I did for a decade. And are people shifting that model because Airbnb has really shifted how people have come to learn they I do not to need to that. rent mm-hmm. for the whole mm-hmm. season or the month? They pick two weeks now and two weeks this time. What's your experience with that formula for buyers? So there's two things there. One being what Matt, you said, is what I'm finding a lot specifically with our generation is people are not buying in the city. They refuse to buy in the city. They don't find the value in it and they'll buy out East because they actually want some tangible house that they can be in and and do whatever they want and they'll rent in the city. That's what I find a a lot right now. Um, To your point with the rentals, the rental market is so strange um, across the board. So I've... Bizarre. I used to tell everyone and it worked almost every single time. As a general rule, you could take the number of bedrooms, multiply by 10,000 for a pool, add 15. And it would give you the exact what you would get for almost all of August or almost the whole season. I don't know why, but it just worked. The equation worked. I love that. Now, throw it out the window. Because yeah. the equation, Airbnb has just tossed it. It just, there are certain times where we'll get people that say, hey, I want to rent for a week. And I said, that's great, but you have to go to Airbnb because I can't help you. Now, you see, I wanted to make a no, comment on that. I, I have brokers that are actually who have rented my house for $120,000 for the season who are calling me saying, can I have two weeks in August, Wheeze? I'm like, wait a minute. You're going to actually work for $2,000 because it's 10% or $25,000, whatever it is. I find that very interesting. The whole Airbnb concept, and you know, I've, I'm not an advocate of it, and I've, we've, we've argued on this program you know, many times uh, about it, but out in the, in the Hamptons, you know, years back when I was out there more often than I am these days, you couldn't rent anything for a week or a long weekend or a holiday weekend or even sometimes a month. It was a seasonal situation or it was nothing. 
Then it started with, you can do two months, July and August. Then it started with, okay, we can do one month here or one month there. So, you know, I can see how Airbnb can come into a a place like the uh, Hamptons and really take over because there are people who really just want to go for a very long weekend, just want to go for a week or two. They were not able to in the past. They can today. I still don't agree with that model. I'm sure it hurts the brokers. Obviously, it hurts the brokers. and the and the 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 um well, well probably not the not the clients who own the homes so that they're still getting paid no matter what. Well, actually, Southampton, some of the towns are implementing yeah. restrictions and making it very challenging for those particular communities. And I find that people what when people wouldn't go to Montauk today today, there's a huge migration there. I mean, I'm there. I bought a place. Montauk is wonderful. It came out of nowhere, I say, lately, and it's just unbelievable. It's an amazing yeah, place. It really it's is. Great really question to you, though, on the summer rental, you know, seasonal summer rental thing. Obviously, it's been affected because of Airbnb and just a shift in the market in general. But um, do you feel like it's really moving more towards not happening anymore because of the Airbnb? Or is it going to be just a little bit of it? I mean, where are you guys with that summer seasonal Thought. I mean, much more than anything, you're always going to have a market for those people that just don't want to be bothered. They don't want to do it on their own, and they're going to call their broker and just say, hey, find me a place for July, August, find me a place for August. You're always going to have that. But I feel the consumer overall in many different industries has changed. They realize, you know, why put this middleman when I can go directly to Airbnb or Homeway or some other platform and not pay a fee, not pay a fee and just communicate directly with the homeowner. And it's it's some people can view it as it's okay, but the other problem of it is is you have all these, it's like a catfish situation where you have people that think they, they communicate with the homeowner and all of a sudden they're calling the cops because they've they've stupidly, don't ever wire money, they've stupidly wired money to someone and they think they put a deposit on a house and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they show up and the, the real homeowner is like, what are you doing here? So that's a, that's a concern, but overall the, the rental market is... <laughs> It's just a wild, wild west of what's going to happen. I mean, there's always going to be people that want months and stuff, but it's more and more people want less amount of time. Or um, is sorry, I was going to ask: Do in out east do the landlords pay the commission? Yes, out east the landlord pays. Yes, I paid a lot of commissions <laughs> over the years. A lot of commissions. Because I was going to say, I think that a way, my dad. I think a way that in the city, um, you know, rentals are still surviving with Airbnb, you know, Airbnb, aside from all the restrictions that buildings put on them, is that, you know, people doing no fee is a big thing. Like, I've been very successful with all of my investors' properties, you know, renting them out no fee. But I guess it's hard out east if you can't do no fee, technically, because the landlord pays. Yeah, I mean, the towns have definitely tried to restrict it, and you can, you know, you're not supposed to do certain rentals. But obviously people, it's it's much like a, uh, an Uber situation where people will fight it and fight it and fight it. But if the consumer really wants something, they're going to find a way to get it. All right, we have to leave it there. We will be back after these commercial breaks live from New York City. This is Good Morning New York. Don't go away. Welcome to Good Morning New York. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. 
However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters, performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Aliens with Gas, we are the extraterrestrial rock show airing every Saturday afternoon on the voiceamerica.com variety channel. <laughs> Whatever happens out and about, it kind of dictates our conversation. For sure. And we like to tie in a little bit of the past and obviously keep it real current. And real current was a couple nights ago right here in Phoenix. A phenomenon happened. On Thursday night. Phenomenon. <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> All right, never mind. <laughs> That's every Saturday right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back for our last segment. In the current real estate market, bidding wars are less common. There are fewer all-cash deals. Units are languishing longer on the market, and sellers are chopping prices a bit more than a year ago. But... These cooling conditions do not necessarily translate into bargains. In Manhattan, for example, homes sold on average for about 6% less than their last advertised price, according to a report on their second quarter sales data released last Thursday by Douglas Elliman. There was uh, there were nearly three times higher than that in a year ago at 2% and tied the highest listing discount in five years. Sellers are adjusting their prices as the number of days that units remained on the market jumped more than 21% to 108 days on the market. Now, just recently, we were talking about 50-something or 60-something days, and now we're at 108. Are buyers just sitting? And if so, doesn't this make the conditions reflect more realistic expectations by all parties, sellers, buyers, whomever? What is going on? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize buyer expectations as realistic right now. Expand on that because the, that that's an interesting comment. I was trying to sort this out last night. I was sitting in one of the buildings that I'm selling and waiting for a bunch of appointments in and out. And I was trying to assess in my mind the expectation of the buyer in that particular price point, in that particular building, in that particular part of town. And I came up empty. And I'm not quite sure why. I'm usually pretty good at reading what, what's what the, the price point happening? of the property that you're that you're talking about, just out of curiosity? Um, one is seven sixty and one is a million fifty. So yeah, first time buyer ish. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are in wait and see mode. I mean, there's really no sense of urgency. There's nothing really pressing right now. I'm so not I, that. Guys. I had an yeah. open house on Sunday. I have a two bedroom that's listed at seven ninety nine on the Upper East Side, eighty eighth and Second Avenue, two blocks from the subway. I had forty three people at the open house. Well, yeah. Hold on, though. That's 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 an exception. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's an exception. But I do. I agree with Louise. Like, no. I think that this July has been busier than many in the past, and I also think that. 
I think it depends on the neighborhood. Like I, I, I had twenty plus people at my open house on Sunday too. And, and what was and your price point? The one that you're Seven sixty to a million million fifty. So twenty plus for both of those apartments. It's Tuesday. I haven't received one phone call, one email. Okay, but, no but I listed four I listed four listings on Friday. Excuse me, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Four. And and we and, and in July and June I put nineteen excuse me, fifteen deals in contract. Killer. I, I'm just saying that some of those had 12 offers on them, and there it's all a million five to a million six. Um, that that sweet spot under two million dollars, and I relisted a listing that has been on the market for 12 months with another broker. I staged it. I repriced it from 2.525 uh, to 2.395, and I'm probably going to get three offers. But that's the, you're the common denominator with the difference there, though. You know, you're you're. You know, a good broker is a difference maker. So you know, you have. But I also, I also think it's the market. I mean, Louise is amazing, and and I think she's very right. Um, But for example, like one of the apartments Louise just listed, I had a buyer go to your open house on Sunday, and she was down my neck about registering her. She was like, "Um, "Make sure I'm on the list." Like, so I, (laughs) I definitely think there is urgency out there. I think. I think it all comes back to price point. I think it comes back to neighborhood at this time of year. Like I do say that, or I do say, I will say that in Tribeca, for example, there is an expectation that things are going to sit there for two months. And I think that, and whereas if you go up to somewhere like Harlem, there's an expectation that it could go in a week. But I think think where Louise plays predominantly, it's a faster moving market lately or more, let's not even say that, let's say more, um, more serious buyer wants to be in that particular place. That but price I, point, that, and, that and under that, $2 million right. sweet spot, and they want to start before school. These are all said, flexible That was going to be my question. Is a lot of this fueling because they, by the time they close, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's right. It's absolutely. always about and then, that. And as it relates to Tribeca, I want to just say that I have, there the whole brokerage community in Tribeca have band together for the three-bedroom market from $3 million to four and a half, and we are not getting traffic. So we we said, let's all schedule a Wednesday night open house for the rest of the summer so that we can be successful for each other. And I did a search for my owner, and I, from $3 million to $4.5 million for three bedrooms from Chelsea, West Village, and Tribeca. They're 14 in contract. 11 of those are development project. And there, is no, there are three resells. So the resale market is very slow in that. So I, I disagree with what you read in the beginning of the show. I did too. And when I saw that and I looked at the numbers and I went back and looked a second time, and, and even though I read it correctly the second time, I still disagree with it. But anyway, my question to you, Louise, or every, actually anybody is, so do you see more interest these days in or in, in your particular business? Is it more co-op stuff or is it more condo stuff? I'm personally seeing I have much more condo on my plate these days than co-op. And I'm seeing a slower condo buyer Absolutely. for a whole bunch of reasons. Absolutely. And the co-op is the value play. I See, also, I'm seeing the same exact thing, Vince. I'm seeing the same exact thing. Yeah. And I think my opinion on that is I think the condo prices have gotten so out of reach, so incredibly high, especially in new developments, that people are taking a powder or, or taking a much more serious look at a co-op, whereas in the past they would not do that before. Well, well, wait, Co-op so that, scared off scared a lot of people, especially younger types, millennial types. I can't get approved. I won't get approved. I don't know if I'll get approved, whatever. Now, I think they're looking because the price point makes a lot more sense. And by the way, there isn't anything wrong with a co-op if you're buying it to live in. But your new development comment brings up 
a point that needs to be discussed, I think. Um, it's not a negative thing or a positive thing. It's just, in my opinion, a very fascinating thing. So over the last few years, I think one of the biggest things that's happened lately is Tribeca, for example, is being controlled, in my opinion, to Louise's point about the three bedrooms. It's being controlled by a new development. So with that I have not seen in a while. So, you know, I have a three bedroom buyer and or two three bedroom buyers in Tribeca and both of them are going towards a hundred Barclay because okay, it you is can offering. send them right on over to me. Nineteen <laughs> chambers. One of them I think went to the open house a while back, but um 100 Barclay is a Ralph Walker development that is discounting a lot. And there are major not only reductions, but um you know, cutting, closing costs out, and it's really deciding the market down Switch there. Brokers. It's it's truly amazing how a development that's so huge <laughs> in a neighborhood that's so small can decide the whole market down there. And I'm I'm experiencing that. Okay, you you brought up something really quickly with the Hamptons that what I'm telling people is your com- your competition is no longer local. People always thought, hey, I have a house in Amagansett North. It's a beautiful property on an acre. Uh, 9,000 square feet, square feet, I think it's worth $6 million. And I said, okay, great. But you have to realize what the buyer can purchase, not only locally. People are seeing there's so many discounts in the city. They're buying stuff in the city, and it's you can't take one, you know, can't take water out of one into the pool, and that's it just goes down to the deep end. It, it lowers the whole pool. So all of a sudden, all the money that was designated to the Hamptons is being sucked out from the city because they can get these discounts. Very interesting. I, st- I still think that overall, like uh, brokers like Louise are getting those serious buyers, and they're going to her places because she's pricing them well. So, like we said earlier, it has to do with how you're pricing the apartment. So the market still overall is still quote unquote slower, but if things are priced well, I mean, there's always serious buyers out there in Manhattan, always in New York City. And- and they're going where the prices look good. And so that's a, that's and, the genius of pricing. And I well. think that what's important is, you know, reminding um, when we're interacting with our sellers for myself, I've always taken the position. I've lost listings because I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth and I'm data driven and I'm you cannot make up the market. And so if my owner believes his apartment's worth a million six and I'm saying, please trust me, have faith in the market the gentleman above us came on the market at a million seven, and now he's at fifteen ninety five. We should come in at a million five forty. I got him a million five eighty five plus the flip tax, which the other buyer didn't. So I'm getting more money for these owners yeah. if they will be strategic. But that's a that's a tall tale, and it's very difficult. And I'm also seeing in this particular marketplace, in in some of the new condo uh, units that I'm selling, and also resale. People are walking around more so than ever calculating on their iPhones price per square foot. Or co-ops. Uh, and, Drives and, me crazy. Well, that, and co-ops you can't because you're not, you're not stating the, the square footage. But in condos, it's stated. You tell them it's on your show sheet. And they sit there and say, well, why is this $1,700 a foot? Why not? It's not 2000 a foot, where a lot of new development places are selling these days, 2000 and Especially for higher. the multi-bedroom ones. I mean, it's all, everything's 2000 And, and I had one guy yesterday, I showed him four apartments, and he was with a calculator, and, and why is the maintenance high, and why is this? So I'm finding, we've got 20 seconds left, I'm finding that in this particular market, and I haven't put a name to it yet because I still don't know, buyers are being especially cautious with spending 
anything right now. And you and there, there, I have to stick together with the contract signed prices because that is real-time data. That rules. All right, on that note, we're out of time. That's our show for today. Thanks to my guest, as always. We'll be back next week. Be kind to one another. One another. For all of us at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us, and I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 